this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. So as was said, here we are, week four of this series, The Bible, A Story That Makes Sense of Life. And we base this on this book. Can I just say this to you guys online and everyone in the room here? Invest in yourselves and buy this. Google it and get it. I think I've seen many different Bible study programs and Bible reading programs over the years. This is one of the most accessible and sensible I've ever read. I mean, years ago, some of you remember this, I used to have a Bible called the Schofield Reference Bible, which divided the Bible into kind of chunks that was very artificial. This just makes sense. Last week, we looked at uh, Exodus. The week before, we looked at uh, Origins in Genesis. And the way he's done it, and the way we're doing it in this series, it not only shows you how the Bible breaks up, and you can see how it all fits in the big plan, but you can see how it answers some of life's biggest issues, because it is a book that speaks to life and every issue of today. So we looked at origins to do with identity, such an important subject. We looked at Exodus, and he shared about freedom. And today, I'm looking at the period in the Bible called Exile. And the subject we're going to focus in on in relation to exile is that of peace. And I'm going to be trying to answer one particular question today. The question is this. How can we have peace in the storms of life? Is it possible for us to have peace in the storms of life? Many years ago, I did what was known or what is known as the Duke of Edinburgh Award. Anybody else here or online, you've done the Duke of Edinburgh? Now, some of you fine people, you did gold. I know I'm not as good as you, particularly this is in my own family. I'm speaking to my daughter who got the gold and I didn't. I only did silver. But nevertheless, you do very similar things. And I was with a group of guys and we were dropped off in Snowdonia for that which was known as the Expedition. And the expedition, basically the teacher, because it was done through school, uh, uh, he said, this is where you've got to get to, I'll see you there. And he just dropped us off. And I remember we started on the walk, we started going up the hill, and as we're going up the hill, we looked over, it was actually a mountain in Snowdonia, honestly it was. As we're going up the mountain, we saw this weather front that was moving in very quickly. And within seconds, it felt like we were in the midst of this storm. Thankfully, we came down after a, a while. I remember walking along, and we were so relieved we'd come out of the storm. The storm came like that, very quickly. And life's like that. You can be going along, you've got your compass, you've got the direction, you've got your plan, and suddenly something hits you that's a storm. It could be a diagnosis that you weren't expecting. Some of you have had that even in recent weeks. It could be the death of a loved one that was just not expected, a storm. It could be a spouse that has an affair and you'd seen yourself all of life together, but suddenly out of nowhere, this affair, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Life is like that. It can be a job loss you weren't expecting. Or it could be a pandemic that we're all in the midst of. We didn't see that coming. Storms of life. Can we really have peace 
in such times. And when we go back to the Bible and look at this period of the exiles, when the, the children of Israel were in exile, this was a season which was the darkest season for them. Was it possible that they could have peace in the midst of that season? Now, let me just say this about peace. Peace in the Bible is not some kind of weak and flimsy, here today, gone tomorrow kind of atmosphere that you can live in. Peace, Bible peace, biblical peace is robust. A biblical peace holds on in the times of storm. Biblical peace is not weak and flimsy. It's strong. The Old Testament word, the Hebrew word, you'd have heard it, you know it. It's a beautiful word. It's the word shalom. And peace, as far as the Bible is concerned, shalom, is not simply the absence of something. It's not, oh, we're not in any conflict, we're in peace. It's rather the presence of something else. It's the presence of something that holds you and roots you. It's the addition of something into your life. It's wholeness. It's peace in all kinds of seasons. And when it's not there, you know it's not there. But when it is there, it holds you. It sustains you. It holds you in difficult times. I'm going to read a verse from the New Testament, which says it beautifully. And at the end of this message, I'm going to come back to this as we pray for you. It says this, this is Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So did you hear that? This isn't logical, this is supernatural. This isn't a reason peace, I'll get myself to peace if I can think my way through it. It transcends all understanding. Peace from God is supernatural. And we serve a supernatural God. Hip, hip. Come on online, you say, we do. He's supernatural. He gives. He's a giver. And this is what the peace of God will do. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It transforms. It guards our minds and our hearts. Israel, the people of God, faced a storm. Exile. They're forced out of their land into a foreign land under an oppressor, under the superpower of the day, under Babylon's rule. And this happened 600 BC. This is the darkest period in the Old Testament. Now, I have to tell you this, in relation to Exodus last week where we came out and talked about freedom, now we're looking at the exile period. Actually, in between, there's a few hundred years where Israel had come into the promised land, kings and ju judges first, and kings had been established. We know people like David and Solomon and Gideon, those kind of people are in that season. We're not looking much into that, but if you want to know more about that, it sounds like I'm going to get some commission from this book, but I'm not. Buy this book because it will really help you to fill that in. Where this, this happened 600 BC, the darkest period of the people of Israel. They're carried off into Babylon. This is a tough season. But here's three lessons I think we can learn from Israel's time in exile in this huge storm. Number one, God brings peace in the storm. He didn't take them out of the storm. He gave them peace in the storm.
So the picture is here in the Bible, the Babylonians have destroyed Jerusalem. The capital city, their place of identity, their place of worship, their place of security, the walls, the temple, all destroyed. And so now they're in a foreign land. They're taken captives. They're taken out. If you look at a map, it's through modern-day Syria and then into modern-day Iraq. That's where Babylon was. They're a long way from home. They're up and over. And they're in a desperate place. Some of the Psalms, which are often called Psalms of Lament, are written when they're in this period. So here's one, and if you're old enough, you'll remember a song by a band called Boney M. And they sang this song. I'm not going to try and sing it. But you can know, you can hear the trauma. Behave yourself. This is the trauma they were going through. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion, Jerusalem. Can you hear the sighing? There on the poplars, we hung our harps. No more playing of instruments. For there our captors asked us for songs, or our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, and this is, this is in derision. This isn't, come on, let's all sing a song. This is, go on, sing one of your songs of joy as we control you. And they write, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember in you. So they're clinging to their memories. They're remembering not in nostalgia but in hope because now they're in captivity. And so it goes on. This is a psalm of lament. I want to say this to you really clearly. Now, listen to me. Online, focus. Say this. I want to say this to you. The place of peace is not found in unreality. When you're in a storm, God doesn't want you to put your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 it's not really happening. I'm closing my eyes, putting my fingers in my ears. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to see this. It's real. And God wants you, faith isn't ignoring the circumstances. Faith is looking at the circumstances, but still believing God's a God of peace. Abraham was given the promise that from his body would come the seed that would be a blessing to the nations. But he didn't ignore his old age and his weakness. He considered his frailty, but still believed God. So you, you don't find a place of peace by ignoring the reality. You, God can cope with your complaining. In fact, some of you need to learn to stop complaining to others and complain to someone who can do something about it. His name is Jehovah. His name is God. In fact, it's important that you bring your feelings before God. Because if you just internalize them or if you just go to people that can't really help you, and you don't bring them to God, if you're not honest to God, then you can internalize it and it can do you more harm. Tell him how you're feeling. Tell him what you feel. It can be cathartic and healing. Because this is the reality. Even in the midst of the storm, when the storm clouds come down, God is still with you. When we came out of our storm cloud on that Duke of Edinburgh award, I remember coming down and we looked over to the distance where we were heading and we saw the teacher, Mr. Davis, or Mr. Davies, he was a Welshman. And he, we saw him at the distance and he had these binoculars on us. And I remember thinking, Someone is watching over us. We're all right. And it kind of gave us energy. We're going to get to our destination. 
God is with you, even in the midst of the storm. The key to finding peace is knowing he is with you. God comes close in the storm. Look at this scripture, Isaiah 43. It says this, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. This is applied to the children of Israel in exile, but this is true for you and me in the midst of a pandemic. Are you listening to me? Hello? This is true for you. When you, Mary, pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you, Kevin, pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you, name yourself, pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be, be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. He's with you even in the storm. Still applies today. I want to show you a story. It's a story of a young woman, not my daughter, she's called Megan, but this is a young woman called Megan who went through a storm, but she knew God was with her. Take a listen to this. I grew up going to church every Sunday, never questioned God's existence. But when I was 17, I decided that God was boring and I wanted to do my own thing. So I said, thank you, but no thank you to God. So I was driving home one evening when I was at sixth form. Um, it was a really wet and windy, dark night. Hit a large pool of water on the road and I'm told, I don't remember, um, but the car flipped over multiple times down a steep ravine and then I was airlifted to a specific one at the emergency department because the accident was so severe. So I spent a total of seven weeks in the intensive care unit, had really life-threatening injuries to pretty much all my organs, um, but the injury they were most concerned about was the traumatic brain injury and they told my family if I was ever going to wake up, which they didn't think I would from the coma, um, they wouldn't have the same daughter or same sister back and um, my family were told to come say goodbye to me. There wasn't um, a moment where I woke up and thought, where am I, what's happened? It was a feeling and a feeling of complete peace and the presence of God and knowing that God loved me even though I turned my back unknown to me um, at the time in intensive care, but hundreds and hundreds of Christians across the world were praying for me. And they were praying for total healing um, of my body. And on one night where my family had to come and say goodbye to me, I know that there were 10,000 people in London praying for me. I spent over eight months in hospital in total, which was a really long time. Um, most of that was spent in neuro rehab, um, where I learned to walk again, I learned to go up the stairs again on my own, um, and I found out that I could still play the piano like I could before. And when my neurosurgeon saw me, she literally said, this is a miracle. Because I'm a nurse, Having gone through such a life-changing experience and finding God in that hardship is 
probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's changed my entire outlook on life, knowing that God is gonna be there, whatever the storm. And now I can confidently say, without a shadow of a doubt, that God brings hope to any situation. God brings hope to any situation. God brings peace in times of storm. Two more things quickly, and then we'll come back and we'll pray into this. God has purpose through the storm. God is a God of purpose. The exiles are in Babylon. It feels like totally, total defeat. It feels like they're never going to come through it. They're in unfamiliar territory. But God had a purpose in it. We quote this scripture a lot, and so we should, but the context is it, of it is this situation. They're in exile. This is from Jeremiah, where it says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I have no problem applying that to their lives individually, because that's the nature of God, but it was first spoken to a nation. And that nation were told to do this while they were in exile. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You know, all the stuff that we do in our community here as a church, C3 Impact, it's because of this. We want to seek the welfare of a city. I've got to be honest with you. In these last two years, you've heard me say it. I've prayed more than ever. Lord Jesus, would you come? Maranatha, would you come? Because I don't like the exile I'm living in right now. But I feel rebuked of the Spirit to remind me of this. You're here for the good of this city. You're here for wherever you're living, for the good of the people around you. This city benefits because we are here. We are the people of God. It may feel like a foreign land. But we're here to prosper, and God will prosper us. This is what was spoken into chaos. Now, there are different individuals we can find in this period that we could use as examples. Probably the best one that many of you know is Daniel. Daniel was in Babylon, but Daniel refused to compromise and become like the world system around him. And when the Bible speaks of Babylon, that's what it's talking about, a world system, an order devoid of God. And he says, no way, I'm, going to keep, keep, I'm not going to eat the food sacrificed to idols. Even when there's an edict that goes out and says, you can't pray, he says, I'm still going to pray. Three times a day, you can do what you like to me because I'm going to pray to my God. And if you know the story, he ends up in a, a lion's den because that was the edict that had gone out. They would be killed. But God protected him, even in the lion's den. And Daniel in the midst of this ungodly regime, became known as the wise one in whom they could go to for answers in life's situation. He was totally faithful to God. He didn't compromise and become like the world around him. He stood strong. They suggest in this series, I thought I'd use this, to use the analogy of winning away from home. We're away from our home, but we can still win in this life. And I thought I'd just remind you of what happened a few weeks ago with Liverpool and Man United. They were away from home, but they won incredibly. 
and a home yesterday as well at 4-0 against Arsenal. That's just a slight deflection to mention. I know there was a game in between with West Ham, but we won't mention that one. Can I just say to us in the midst of the storm, let's take every opportunity to be a blessing in our world. We can have peace when everyone else is falling around, around us. Number three, finally, let me finish with this. God speaks promise beyond the storm. See, what happens is it was prophesied that there would be a 70-year exile, that they'd be in captivity. But after 70 years, the foreign policy changes as the king, and they allow them back to their land. And God had promised they would get back. back. And if you're in the midst of a storm right now, you think it's going to last forever. It won't. There is a promise of God that you will get through this and there's something on the other side. And so they returned. They went back through Iraq, back down through Syria, back into the promised land. And some of the people that you get mentioned there, particularly, are the likes of Nehemiah. Nehemiah took the people. and They got back to Jerusalem and the walls are still broken down. Some of them who'd returned, they'd even camped amongst the walls. They hadn't built the, rebuilt the temple. They kind of accepted this status quo. We're here back in this scene and this situation. It's not as good as it was. This new normal, we don't like it. But Nehemiah comes and brings leadership to them and says, come on, we can rebuild. And I think we need to hear this message today. Come on, we can rebuild. We can rebuild. It might not be like the past, but we're not, we can't go to the past. We can only live in the present. And he encourages them, don't, even if it's a horrible situation, you know, one of the places they had to rebuild was in the Dung Gate. You read the book of Nehemiah, all different sections they had to rebuild. There was one section he put some people to build in the Dung Gate. Any idea what maybe happened there? We won't go into detail. And God says, even in the midst of stuff that hits the fan, you can rebuild you can rebuild. It's possible. Thank you. Come on. It's possible. Don't settle in the rubble. Don't settle for what I just have to live with this low-grade anxiety. We can live in peace. We can live in peace. Because it's shalom, it's supernatural. Oh, and I'd love to say to you that after this period of exile and the return, that the, 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 the Old Testament finishes on this high. It's, it's wonderful. It doesn't. It finishes still inadequate, but it finishes with this longing. This longing for a Messiah. For a hero. Someone that can save them. They need someone because... It's good, but there's still more to come. Will the hero from heaven, will the Messiah come? And it ends with this longing looking forward. Listen to this. This is taking us up to Christmas so beautifully. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. This is their longing. This is prophesied hundreds of years before. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Oh, thank God, because the governments right now across the globe don't have the weight to carry it. 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. This is Jesus. Everlasting Father. Hear this one. Prince of Shalom. Yes, he is. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Just let me pause there. Justice and righteousness are kingdom matters. Some of you need to expand the breadth of your gospel because it's not just about me and Jesus, though it is. It's about me and Jesus and me and you. It's about me and Jesus and the people around me. It's about me and Jesus and even the very earth that we steward. The gospel is so much bigger than you ever thought. The gospel includes racial justice. And it's not a woke issue. It's a kingdom issue. The gospel includes forgiveness of sins and a relationship with Jesus. But it includes our relationship together. This is the gospel. Do you hear it? With justice and righteousness. Do we need justice in the earth? Are you longing for justice? Climate justice is talked about. God understands it. We need it in the earth. Don't narrow it down to simply me and Jesus. But don't ever neglect you and Jesus. Because it's so big and it's so small. This peace is for the globe, for the whole earth. But it's about my peace as well. It's cosmic, but it's personal. You can know the peace of God. God brings peace in time of storm. God has a purpose through the storm. God has a promise beyond the storm. Even in those situations like a Megan experienced, you can live in and receive peace. It's supernatural. I'm going to end by praying for any of you that want peace. I'm basically going to pray the first verse that I read. Philippians 4 verse 7. Right now, if you need a supernatural kiss from heaven to give you peace, the breath of God. Remember Jesus? He breathed on the disciples. He said, peace I give you. Jesus is still breathing. And if you're in the room or if you're online, wherever you are, if you're in Cottenham or you're in Nigeria, Lagos, and you need the peace of God or you're in the room here, you need a supernatural touch from God in whatever storm you're going through. Would you just stand to your feet right now and I'm going to pray for you as we finish. And online, you stand too. Just reach your hands to heaven. Just saying, it's not from anyone else's, but from you, Lord. Father, with every child of God, online or in this room right now, that needs supernatural peace from heaven. midst of the health challenge peace in the midst of your marriage challenge 
facing that diagnosis. The peace in your children that have walked away from God. The peace in struggling in your identity. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, let it guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Just stand there, wherever you are, online, in the room, just for a moment. Take a deep breath. Breathe that peace in. Peace be still. Peace be still. Still with the heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in the room or online here and you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never received the Prince of Peace in the first place, you've never got right with God or known what it is to have the forgiveness of your sins, you can do that right now. Still with the heads bowed, eyes closed, and if you're online, same. I'm going to pray a prayer that's a prayer of devotion to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The end of it when we say amen, if you prayed this for the first time, or maybe for some, you're what's known, we, we call it our religious language, prodigals. You walked away from God. We heard it in that girl's story, Megan, 17. But you today you want to come back. I can tell you this, there are thousands, tens of thousands of prodigals. God is there with the arms open wide ready to receive you. You can use this prayer as well. And at the end when we prayed it, we're all going to pray it out loud to help those doing it first time or recommitting. I just want to say to you then, if you prayed that, would you lift your hands so we can celebrate with you and we can see who you are at the end of this prayer. Pray this with me. Out loud, all together. Lord Jesus, today, I give you my life. I give up and I give control to you. Forgive me for trying to do it in my own strength. Lead me, guide me, be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let me live a life that's centered on you. In your name I pray. Amen. So the heads bowed, eyes closed in the room. If you're online, I'm going to ask you to write yes in the box if you prayed this first time or recommitment. But anybody here saying, yeah, I did that today, just raise your hand where you are now so I can see you. Anybody saying yes to Jesus. I'm just going to pause. Thank you, sir. Great decision. Anybody else? 
saying yes to Jesus. Well done. Great decision. Anyone online, say yes to Jesus. Write it in the inbox there. YouTube or on Facebook. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give our God a round of applause for His good, His mercy endures forever. May you go in the peace of God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.